0: Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to season two of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew. And joining me today via Zoom is interim manager of Methodist Library and Special Collections, Candice Riley, who, of course, has been a guest host on the show before, but she will be in the driver's seat for Drew Archives in 10 season two. So here she is. Candice, welcome. Happy to have you.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Happy to be here.
0: Great. So what do you have for us today?
1: So I pulled one of my uh, favorite recent acquisitions, and I say recently, looking at the two years of Drew's history, the previous head of social collections, and I found this bound manuscript um, from a bookseller a couple of years ago, and we thought it was so intriguing. It is a um, bound manuscript from the 1930s uh, to 1940, and it's an original five-year diary, handwritten by a young woman, who may be playing with adulterous fire, and her name is Eliza Calloway.
0: Okay, so, yeah, I can, I can kind of date it 1930s. We have this great font that kind of looks a little Art Deco on the cover here.
1: We do, and unfortunately, the, um, it's not in the best condition. Yeah. It was heavily used, but that's what makes this diary so exciting. So I don't know if you know of what a five-year uh, line-a-day diary
0: is. You, uh, you- no, no, I don't think I've heard of that before.
1: So. A normal diary or journal has those empty, you know, places for you to write your entire entry, like Dear Diary, Dear Journal, this is what I mean today kind of thing. Well, a line-a-day diary doesn't want you to write a really, really long entry. It wants you just to kind of write a snippet of what happened to you that very day. And it gives you about four lines for you then to put the date, which I'm going to zoom in so you can see here, Andrew. So we have um, 1936 four lines, and then she dates in 1937 and so on. So she has all the way up until 1940.
0: Oh, wow. So this is your 1930s version of microblogging, right? Exactly. 140 characters.
1: Yeah, but the beauty of how it's set up, so it has the date at the top, so I have a page open to January 3rd, and then they have, in the, on the left-hand column, um, 1936, 37, uh, 38, 39, 40, but when you're writing the later years, you can then refer back to what you wrote. Oh, wow! While. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see, like, does your past entry from four years ago influence how you write today? Um, or are you just focused on what you experienced today in that moment and want to record it?
0: Oh, wow. That's really cool.
1: It's really cool. And actually, this type of diary or journal format has come back into Vogue. So um, even on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and other booksellers, you can go and buy a line a day diary or journal and have the same kind of experience. So it's usually a five-year format. There may be a 10-year one out there, but you Mm -hmm. can then record just a little snippet of your day and then each year reflect back on it. So if you don't want to write anything long for that day, this is a great thing for you to kind of get involved in.
0: Yeah, that's great. So it's like a medium for personal memory organized in a way that's you know a little bit different than a normal diary which is kind of linear this is uh, circular almost
1: It is and um, with this diary, especially this one I wanted to show it to you all today or talk about it because besides it being a really cool line of day format, this is a really cool example of how a diary from someone who's not famous, someone who's not of historical significance but can be such an important research resource for our students and researchers here at Drew Archives, because you can learn so much about this person's daily occurrences, um, meaning like what was a vogue in popular culture, um, the wars that were going on at the time and how that affected her and her family, Uh, fashion. She talks quite a lot about fashion and self-care. And also we have some very steamy romances in here. So you can kind of pull some gender studies issues here about how this woman is reacting to her relationships with men at the time. Was that okay? Was she uh, a social outcast for having these affairs? So it's something that a student can really get involved in and pull so much material from. So we actually had a grad student a couple of years ago uh, work on this and she was a fashion uh, uh, focused student. And she then figured out what was Eliza wearing um, and but why did she keep going to the store and buying new shoes and new dresses. Um, So I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about Eliza from what we know. She was born on November 14th, 1900, and she's about 23 years old when she first started this diary. Um, She treats the diary very intimately, almost as a friend, and she confides so many of her secrets to this diary. She mentions that she works in an office-like setting. She's not in school, but she does take a journalism class once in a while, and she practices her typing. She loves songs to sew and reading books. And she has this really interesting relationship with songs. So she loves listening to the radio um, late at night when she gets home. And she often reflects about what's playing on the radio as it then affects her own life. So she was just like, oh, i heard these lyrics tonight. It reminds me so much of me and my day and my love. I think it was played for me. And this happens quite a lot through this diary. Um, She also loves going to the movies. Her, one of her favorite movies that she wanted to go see was Gone with the Wind, and she gushed about that in her entry for one of those days. Um, she also had an injury early on in the diary. She was going ice skating, and she fell down and hurt her ankle quite badly. And with that incident, she and then had to go see a physical therapist um, or the chiropractor to look at that ankle, and that began her affair with the doctor, Dr. Mack. And we have some very interesting quotes um, from her and Dr. Mack. She says, quoted, we sealed the question and made it a bargain secret. Mm. And then Dr. Mack calls her the little devil. I know you have beautiful hair. And then um, Eliza said of Mr. Mack, one minute he says he could spank me and the next hug me and squeeze me to death. (laughs) So it's uh, quite explicit in this diary, but that's kind of what makes it a... um, A very intriguing source because she divulges so much of herself to this diary. She doesn't hold back, so it's you're getting this like a very personal account that then you can really engage with as a researcher.
0: Do we know what became of Eliza and Dr. Mack?
1: I am assuming I haven't uh, completed to the end of the diary. There, there are quite a lot of pages, and uh, she she fills them all. Yeah ends up having many other bows and she mentions okay. these beautiful summer romances of um, getting like kissed on the front porch um or walked home by her bow um and then dr matt kind of fades into the background um he was a married man uh she seemed to be very friendly with the family but um she found more guys that were uh more suitable yeah. for what she wanted in life it's a very interesting diary and she falls in love so many times. I um, When I was first going through it, it almost felt like a lifetime movie at times because of the amount of emotion that she puts into these stories that she is telling about her day to day. Um, but it's really perfect for any historian of gender studies and who's interested in the, the history of relationships. I find it a, a very intriguing work. We do have another uh, line a day diary in the archives That we purchased as a juxtaposition of this one, which was the wife of a farmer um, who did not have the same level of schooling as our dear friend Eliza here. So her entries are very, very short, maybe sometimes a couple words. And she mostly just records the weather. She says, like, okay, today it rained, or it was very chilly, it snowed, and I saw my brother. So Looking at both of those two diaries where you have one who doesn't really treat it as a friend, and Eliza who treats hers as a as a companion, you can see how these women are both engaging at the same time period. It's both in the late 30s, um, with their diaries. Eliza probably purchased hers and like, you know, made sure every night she recorded, she even puts the time. Uh, she seemed to be a night out, usually have the entries between like 10:30 and 1 a.m.
0: Oh yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah. And where the other um, woman, she doesn't really re- she record much, since so she misses many days, uh, no times are added, and it's just really the weather and if a family member comes over for that day. Um, so you're seeing here the difference between um, more of a rural woman in that time period, and Eliza who's more of like engaged in city life and going out and wanting to really experience everything in popular culture at that time.
0: Sure, that's what I was going to ask is, do we know where both of these women lived?
1: Yes. Um, actually, one of our students who was researching Eliza's diary, I think, found out that she was in the Syracuse area of New York. Okay. Where our other woman was from more farm country in Pennsylvania. Okay.
0: But yes, two uh, different ways of, of using this sort of text um, yeah. to record one's daily experience. Which
1: I think we can all sympathize
0: with because... Sure.
1: Within our age of social media now, if you're doing you know Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what have you, or like you know a live journal, if that's still around now, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> but it's you're recording your daily thoughts, so that is what Eliza was doing here. She's recording what she experienced. She's not doing it in a public forum uh, that we'd be doing, but she's making sure she's writing it all down. It's one of our uh, my favorite sources that we have here because you can pull so much from it and it's so nice to um, engage with the, the personal account of Eliza and at the end of every um, month in the diary there's a page of memoranda which then you can she can summarize what was the biggest part of that month for her oh, okay um which is kind of nice she can she's reflecting constantly. And I mentioned earlier how um, she, with this type of style, line of line a day diary, you can reflect on your previous entries. There was one day I remember reading that like the, the earliest entry in, in 1938, she made popcorn and she loved it. And then in actually 39 or 40, she made popcorn again. And she goes, I ate it all. <laughs> so it was so funny that she probably saw her earlier entry and was like, oh, popcorn sounds delicious. I think I'll make it again. And then she ate the whole thing. So she was inspired by her previous self to kind of uh get into that popcorn bucket. <laughs>
0: Well, what a fascinating resource for uh, students and, and faculty members um, to come check out if you're interested in general history or social history, uh, the, the experience of being a young woman in the 1930s, early 1940s. Um, I can even see, you know, a media studies perspective here in terms of, you know, reception from what you said, Candace, about her recording, her experience of of listening to the radio. So this is this is a fascinating source.
1: Absolutely. And she does give a little bit of some movie reviews in
0: there.
1: Oh, great. A little film critic as well.
0: Thanks so much for sharing this with us, Candice. Oh, I'm happy to. That's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candice Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.